Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Sally Gentry. And thank you for being part of our team and wanting to help make life happen. Coming up on this episode of the Gifted Life, uh, we'll talk about a silent hero's wall, a digital interactive way to honor our donors. Incredible, y'all. And in recovery, we'll be talking to a donor mom, her special story about neonatal donation. We'll also honor a hero as we do in every podcast and so much more. So don't go anywhere. And actually, we want to ask a favor of you listening right there. Help us spread the word. It's simple. It's simple. Spread the word. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, or any of your favorite podcast app. And hey, we're on social media. We try to be easy to find. So Facebook, we're Donate Life Louisiana. Twitter and Instagram, at Donate Life LA. And hey, hey, Sal. Hey, you can also reach us at 504-648-3477. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that's our hotline. We may even play your audio as part of this podcast. Uh, We want it to be interactive. We want you to help us make life happen. Let's get to it. In our community segment today, we are so excited. We want to talk about the silent heroes wall that was unveiled at our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center in Baton Rouge. Uh, First of its kind in the state of Louisiana, one of the first in the nation. We want to talk about what this wall means. What is it? Can you see it? Really incredible, right, guys? Oh, absolutely. Ah, So to talk about this, we have invited Alice Batista, and she is the Director of Mission Services for Our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center. Hey, Miss Alice. Hey, Lori. How are you? Good. We appreciate you taking the time. We know that uh, you are very busy, uh, but you're so passionate about what you do, no matter what it is. But let me tell you, I got to see that passion for myself in person with this silent heroes wall. It is incredible. Um, Let's talk about the digital wall at the lake. It's exciting to talk about our wall. While we are the first in the state and possibly in the nation, more importantly, our wall is a great way to honor our organ donors, our silent heroes, the individuals who gave the gift of life through donation at the end of their life and by sharing their stories as written with their families. But our wall is more than honoring our organ donors. It's also an opportunity to recognize our organ recipients and the gratitude they have for how donation has saved their lives. And last, we also use it as an opportunity to raise awareness for organ, tissue, and eye donation. And it's pretty incredible. I know that we had some media coverage. Uh, We've had some social media coverage. But uh, Joey and I, uh, Sally, all of all of us were there for this unveiling. The physical look is incredible. Yeah. It is. It, it's amazing. I didn't know what to expect when I saw it, Lori. You know, I, I knew it was an interactive uh, monitor. I didn't know how many there were. But just the space itself, and I know we're talking about the digital monitor, but the space itself seems so serene. It seemed like such a great area for the families of loved ones who have died to go and spend some time and, and just reflect. 
and then of course you know the the monitors themselves. Alice, you want to talk a little bit uh, you know about the monitors and and what they look like and and what went into that. Yes, we have three 55-inch digital monitors. They're interactive touchscreens, and our middle panel focuses on last year's uh, silent heroes. Those are the individuals we honored during the Gift of Life service. And then on our right panel, we have our um, silent heroes from prior years. And when we talk about the monitors, when you touch on the picture of our silent hero of our organ donor, um, a new screen opens up and it tells that story that the family wrote about their donor. And when we know who their recipients are, we also have the recipients on that page with our silent hero. And then we have our left panel. And on the left panel, we have our recipient stories, as well as we provide factual information about organ tissue and eye donation. And Joey, you talked about the space. It's a special space. We like to refer to it as a sacred space for these families. It's a place for our families to come to reflect on their loved one and the impact that they made through the gift of donation. In speaking with our donor families, while their loved one dying here leaves them with a lot of sad memories, the wall is truly a source of comfort for them during their time of grief. What they've shared is when they come here, they can visit the wall, they can see their loved one, read their story, but they also realize that they're not walking this journey on their own, that there are other individuals who are walking the same journey. And Alice, I did notice just from looking at the faces of both family members and recipients that, you know, they just seem so grateful for this opportunity to have their loved one recognized, be able to stand there, spend the time. And I'm wondering, what what did that feel like for you when you were able to see that? You know, Sally, for not only me, but for the entire work group, to to see that that awe and that joy that the families had, it's hard to put in words, but the pride that I saw in the work group was was phenomenal. That's wonderful. And you talk about what it meant to families. There's one story that really has stuck in my heart. It was a family of about 10 people. They came in and they touched on the woman's picture. And when it popped up, there was a little three-year-old boy, and it was his auntie. And he jumped up and ran to the monitor and went, auntie, dance, auntie, dance. Uh. And... All I could think is, what comfort for that family, not only that day, but going forward, that picture will always be here. They will always be able to come back and see their family member. How lovely. So, Alice, obviously something this magnificent doesn't come up in just a minute. Can you tell us a little bit about the team that you work with and and how long it took you guys to think of the design and then, uh, of course, put it into action? started about 18 months ago. We knew we wanted to do something different than poster boards on a wall, and we wanted to do something digital. It was a group of six of us that worked on putting on paper, doing internet searches, and really challenging ourselves to listen to the voice of our organ donor families in helping us design this wall. We also listen to the voice of our recipients. Um, 
And we really were purposeful in making sure we heard and sought to, through the wall, reflect some of their wishes and requests. Alice, we mentioned earlier on the podcast about the unveiling of the wall, but really you guys uh, made it a little more special, kind of kept it in line uh, to what that hospital is all about, and you actually blessed this space. Yes, we did. Part of our Catholic heritage and tradition is when we open a new space that we always bless it. And uh, we did that on June 9th. And the blessing is a prayerful time to reflect on, in this case, our silent heroes and their families, the organ recipients in our community. Uh, We also used it as a time for praying for those across our country waiting for a life-saving organ as well as the 22 individuals who die every day while waiting for a life-saving organ. And then to pray for our clinical team and the LOPA team who help care for our silent heroes. So what's next for the memorial wall? In listening to our silent hero families as well as our recipients, we've heard an opportunity to post these stories on our hospital webpage. At present, we have our... um, Silent Hero Stories from 2014 and 2015 on our website, and we will be going and adding additional donor stories as well as recipient stories to the website. If you want to visit the hospital website, just go to www.ollrmc.com. As for our space, we do want to make some enhancements. One of the things we want to do is to be able to embed podcasts and videos into these interactive panels. And then we also want to have a kiosk for individuals to be able to sign up to register to become an organ tissue or eye donor. And lastly, we are looking at creating satellite locations of our wall throughout the hospital. All amazing. We love it. We love your passion for what you do. What we also love is that This is a solid static location right now where anyone can go and see and become inspired. So tell us how to find this silent hero wall in Our Lady of the Lake in Baton Rouge. Uh, We know lots of our families go back there again to find comfort, but tell us how those listening uh, will be able to find it as well. The wall is on the first floor of the hospital real near the entrance. We wanted a space that was accessible to anyone at any time. And if you enter the front doors of the hospital, um, the information desk is there, and they will point you to the wall, which is just a short way down on the left-hand side. And everyone is so nice there and and all smiles and just wants to help, and we appreciate that atmosphere. Alice Batista, Director of Mission Services at Our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center. Wow, Lori. You, You mentioned the word amazing, and it's certainly a great adjective to describe Alice and the team that they've got there at Our Lady of the Lake. Uh, It's so wonderful to have such a great, passionate team that's so pro-organ, eye, and tissue donation and and the impact that they have because of that passion. Since Alice has been there for the last six years as our organ donation champion, over 540 lives have been saved there at Our Lady of the Lake. Incredible, incredible. And then we have this uh, silent heroes wall. Uh, But let me tell you, a lot would not get done without these partnerships. And we actually uh, talked to LOPA's Samantha Miller earlier about what is happening between LOPA and Our Lady of the Lake. 
Joining us now is Samantha Miller, Donation Services Coordinator for LOPA. Hey, Sam. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to have you on. For those of you who don't know, Miss Samantha, she works closely with those clinicians who save lives each and every day at Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. We just talked to one of those wonderful people, Miss Alice. Uh, I don't know where I would be without my Alice. She's phenomenal. Yeah, it's just a, a great group of people, very positive in what they do and very good at what they do. What we talked to Alice about, Miss Samantha, the silent hero's wall, that would not exist without the partnership between Lopa and Our Lady of the Lake. No, no, absolutely it would not. Um, our partnership, as it grows, it, it just becomes easier because we've identified that our, our mission's really aligned. We want to do what's right for our patients and their families, and it just speaks volume to the culture that we're able to have at the lake around donation. Mm-hmm. Now, we heard from Alice that this is um, state-of-the-art. We have digital interactive screens, which is amazing. The wall didn't always look that way. It's evolved. It has. It has. So in the past years, we've had larger poster-style photos on the wall of our donors, and and we share their stories as well. But as we invited more families to be on this wall, a space got a little limited for us, and so we would have to change out stories, and we just never want to have to take a story down. Mm -hmm. And so with this new technology, it's allowed us to share all of the donor stories, and and we'll forever honor these heroes. And Sam, I want to know what this project means for you. I know that it was a labor of love. I know it was a long time coming. I know mom was there for the big reveal. I know family's been very supportive. So this is more than a job. Um, This is about honoring those heroes and celebrating life. What does it mean for Sam? Oh, so many emotions. And that's a day I'll never forget, the unveiling of this wall. It's truly been an honor to be part of such a legacy. Um, Seeing these families, see their loved ones on this wall has been just a wonderful experience for me. And what's great is we're starting to get feedback in. It's positive Mm -hmm. feedback. What are you hearing? I'm hearing amazing, amazing feedback from these families. Um, There's families that come in from out of state to see the wall. There's families that visit the wall often because they've shared it gives them just a little piece of comfort. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll continue to hear more stories. Um, We'll hear from a donor mom coming up in just a little bit here on this podcast. But can you give us a glimpse of, of what's next? Our Lady of the Lake's always pushing that envelope What's next, Sam? Well, uh, we dream big here. <laughs> and uh, we love working together and, and pushing forward. And we're excited to see how it unfolds. So stay tuned. Yeah, we are too. So we're going to have you back on the Gifted Life podcast <laughs> to tell us what's happening. But the Silent Heroes Wall, um, just an incredible piece, uh, a great way to honor those heroes. want to thank Sam Miller, Donation Services Coordinator with LOPA. Well, that's Sam. She's such a firecracker. She's Love got, Sam. She's got such a passion, yes. you know, and, and that partnership that she's developed with Alice and the team there at Our Lady Lake, it is such an inspiration for the rest of us, and it disseminates throughout the state. Yeah, it's like a, a family atmosphere there and here, and it, it's just wonderful. We talked about this Silent Heroes Wall. We hope that you um, check it out, if not in person, online. Those donor families, uh, you know, Sam talked about hearing from them. One of the um, mothers of a hero called into our hotline. So we do have that hotline. That number is 504-648-3477. Yeah, so use that. And and we say that we uh, use the audio on the podcast. That's what we're going to do now. Jennifer Cologne, um, she's the mom of hero doo-doo is what they call him. She's going to tell you more about his story. But let's listen in 
uh, to what this silent hero's wall means to her and her family. You can hear the emotion. Hi, my name is Jennifer Cologne. I'm the mother of David James Cologne Jr., better known as Dudu his whole life. He passed away November 3rd, 2014. Dudu was an extraordinary person. He was funny and goofy, talented, hopeful, and he dreamed big. Even through his adversity and his darkest days, he made it through with the hope of living life to its fullest. Dudu taught me the true meaning of love and selflessness. Dudu is a hero. Not a day goes by that we don't think about our son, brother, grandson, cousin, nephew, parent, friend, and a child of God. Thanks to Our Lady of the Lake and Lopa for being there from the beginning with unconditional love, support, understanding, compassion, and gratitude to us. People from all over can see and learn about the dude's legacy. He was one of the many faces on the silent wall of heroes at Our Lady of the Lake in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's bittersweet because Our Lady of the Lake is where our son passed away where we feel we left him, but it is also the place where he not only gave life to three recipients, but is honored and remembered. It's a place of love, pride, and hope. It's a place for opportunity. If someone sees the wall and reads the stories, sees the videos of donors and the recipient stories, it can possibly change the mind of a non-organ donor to become a donor and give new life and hope to someone in their families. Our to-do would be so proud and honored. Him being an organ donor was his wishes. He told me about a year before he passed, this was what he wanted to do. And if there was a chance to save him, save him. But if not, let him go. And he wanted to be an organ donor and save others. It's a place for donors' families to go and feel close to their loved ones, to sit and honor them. It's a place for recipients and their families to also tell their story and express gratitude for their donor and their story of how their life was affected and saved by their donor. I want to mention that we have become so close with the Dew's heart donor, Mr. Charles Henderson and Mr. Chuck Nutter, the Dew's liver recipient. They are our family. We are forever united as one by the Dew. We love them not just because they have our son's organs. We love them because they are wonderful, beautiful, extraordinary people whom we have grown to love. And we are so grateful for their gratitude and letting us be a part of their lives. They are stuck with us now. I want to end this with what I say every morning. When I open my eyes today to do, I am one step closer till I see you again. I would like to thank everyone for listening and giving me the opportunity to tell our to do story. Special thanks to Lopa, Miss Lori, and Miss Samantha, and Our Lady of the Lake. God bless everyone. Take care. Thank you. You just heard what a phenomenal experience this has been for Jennifer and for her family. I've talked to a lot of donor families, and to hear such emotion. And such pride that she takes in being able to see Dudu on the wall. And for her to be able to go to the lake, spend time there at the wall, um, and not only having conversations with other family members, but also a private conversation with Dudu. I know this means a great deal to her, and we just heard what it meant. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. It's such a beautiful thing. We're trying to share this with everyone you know, obviously through our podcast, but also on our LOPA website, LOPA.org. We're going to put together a snippet of each of the donor memorial walls that are there for for all of our hospitals uh, throughout the state that have them so that you guys can see a little bit and share in how some of the hospitals honor their heroes. Yeah, so keep checking LOPA.org. In our 
our recovery segment today, lots to talk about. We're going to learn a lot and we're going to tug at those heartstrings. We brought in one of our LOPA lifesavers, uh, LOPA nurse, Laura Gwynn. Hey, Miss Laura. Hey, thanks Laura. for having me. Uh, so the topic that we're talking about today is neonatal donation. So what we want to do is provide you with some basic facts about neonatal donation. And so Joey's going to kind of cover that. With neonatal donation, oftentimes with the circumstances of the, of the childbirth, they can suffer a, an anoxic injury or a brain injury. And uh, some of those do become organ donors. We've had uh, neonates as small as uh, up around four pounds or so that have donated heart, liver, and, and now neonatal kidneys where uh, two kidneys uh, can be transplanted to an adult even. Uh, so that's something kind of new in, in donation. But there's also an opportunity out there for research donation, and that comes mostly with uh, neonates that may have uh, suffered from some other, maybe anencephalic issues or, or something else that causes them uh, to be deemed non-survivable. Okay, so Laura, I'm going to bring you in. Um, she did some of my training when I was learning about this topic here at LOPA, but Anencephalic is what? Anencephalic is a baby that's born with no brain. They do have a brain stem, which means they can be born alive, breathing, heart beating, but it is a non-survivable condition. Some babies live a couple of days, some only a matter of minutes. And are these organs for research? Yes, these organs are for research, and they've actually changed the way they study diabetes now because of these neonatal organs wow. going for research. Wow. Wow. Okay. So changing the future here. One of the other reasons that we have you here is not only to educate, but we also want you to help us through this next story of special ties to a donor mom. Yes. It's hard not to with, with these cases, I imagine. All these cases are very special to my heart. This right. one, very much so. Kelsey Wigington is joining us today, and she's going to talk about her daughter, Austin. Hey, Kelsey. Hi. Hi. Kelsey, can you kind of take us through your experience? Do you mind? Uh, not at all. Last June, the week after Father's Day, I had a suspicion that I might be pregnant. We had recently lost our third child due to a miscarriage, and having another baby made me feel whole again. In July, we called my OB and we made our first appointment, and my husband and I were extremely nervous going into our first ultrasound. But thankfully, we were given a good report. Due to my previous miscarriage, my doctor wanted to see me back in about two weeks just to be sure that everything was going well. And I went into that appointment in just pure bliss, but as soon as the ultrasound tech performed the ultrasound, I knew that something was just off. My doctor stated that our baby's head was what she called oddly shaped. At 11 weeks gestation, my mom, my husband, and I were given the diagnosis. Our baby was diagnosed with anencephaly, and as Laura said before, it's a neural tube condition, and there is no cure, and she would not survive. Before we left the doctor's office, my husband looked at me and said, keeping the baby or termination would ultimately be my choice. That's not something that I had ever wanted to do, so as long as we were both okay physically, we wanted to carry her as long as possible. The next day, my husband and I both discussed organ and tissue donation as a possibility, and we both felt at peace after our discussion with our situation, and we knew that this was our answer. After telling my OB about our decision, 
she contacted um, the local local representative, who then directed me to Laura. And talking to both of them made me feel like we were on the correct path and that this was definitely something we were chosen to do. At the end of September, we found out our sweet baby girl was just developing as well as she possibly could, and she had a fiery personality. <laughs> From just 11 weeks, we were able to feel her little movement. And when we were scheduled for early morning ultrasounds, I'd have to skip breakfast to keep her calmer for the doctors. She slept like a daddy, and she was just beautiful. The first couple of times we caught her sleeping during an ultrasound, she looked just like him. She absolutely loved going to church, um, although she was exposed to music on a regular basis. Nothing made her dance around as much as a good old church hymn sung by the entire congregation. She would bounce around like crazy from the moment we began to sing, and as soon as we stopped, she'd settle back down. In November, we met with Laura, and she answered all of our questions, and she showed us that everything would be done as we chose. We had our choice of what we wanted to happen at the hospital in preparation. In January, after three amniotic reduction procedures, our perinatal specialist told us that we had made it as long as we possibly could. On January the 15th, at 8.37, Austin was born. We named her Austin Rose. And at 35 weeks, she was 3 pounds, 12 ounces, and 14 inches long. The moment she was born, Austin became still, as if to demonstrate she was just at peace. We were able to baptize her and it was held by her family. Austin was loved. She was loved by so many people, especially her brother and sister. She was beautifully perfect. And at 9.42 a.m., she went home. My husband and I count the fact that Austin died from anencephaly as a significant blessing associated with this profound loss. It gives us comfort to know that she died a peaceful death without pain. The early diagnosis gave us time to enjoy every moment we have with Austin rather than just let time pass us by. We were prepared for Austin's death, and God gave us time to prepare ourselves and our other two children as well. We were able to have in-depth discussions about heaven, who lives there, and why Austin got to go so soon. And when the moment came, we weren't ready, but we were prepared. We knew that Austin needed to live in heaven rather than with us because she would be okay there. We've listened to people express their sympathies for what they call our tragic loss, but the way we feel is that we didn't lose Austin, and it's far from tragic. We know exactly where she is, and there are far too many good things occurring as a result of her death. My husband and I believe it's important for people to know that Austin's lungs, pancreas, and spleen, and her liver were able to be used for tissue donation. We counted this as a silver lining in the midst of our sorrow. It gives us peace to live with the possibility that Austin's life was able to save the lives of others. As parents, we hope that our children grow to be people we're proud of, and Austin surpassed my expectations. She gave the ultimate sacrifice of hopefully allowing someone else to live. We believe that God has answered a prayer by giving us Austin. He had a special plan from her from the beginning. Although it didn't align with our own, he knew best, 
and through tissue donation, she has provided a powerful example of making a difference for everyone who knew of her. Our hope is that everyone makes a difference through organ and tissue donation because of one precious baby girl. We hope that the gifts of other people donating their organs would be Austin's legacy. Wow, little Austin Rose, a hero. And Kelsey, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking January 2016, not so long ago. Um, you're just a strong mama with strong faith and just an, an inspiration. Uh, what would you say to um, moms out there that are maybe in your same situation? That their babies have a purpose and we never know what the future holds for our children but that we just have to trust that we're able to make the best choices if they aren't able to make them, and that this was truly a way for us to cope, was to be able to see something so wonderful happen through what people call our tragedy. Oh, my goodness. Now, Laura, um, I know that you're, you're close to, to lots of these. What will you take away from, from this case? Lori, this case has been divine intervention from the beginning. And Kelsey, I think you can attest to that also. Kelsey was given the diagnosis, and her doctor, as many doctors don't realize, that donation, neonatal donation, is an option, and her doctor did not. However, one of our staff members actually has the same doctor as Kelsey, and she went to her appointment wearing her Lupa staff shirt. And that's when the doctor asked her, hey, is this a possibility? And that's kind of how that story unfolded. You know, our goal right now is to really get the education out there to the doctors, to the nurses, and to these moms, because it's it's not really a well-known thing, but it is something amazing, as you can tell by Kelsey's story, that really makes a difference. And there's a need out there. There's a great need for neonatal donation. Researchers are contacting us constantly saying, you know, they need these organs. The things that they've been able to do are truly amazing. Wow. Kelsey, we appreciate you sharing your story. We think Austin Rose is a hero. Well, thank you so much. I think so, too. Yeah, thanks for sharing her story with us, and we will continue to, to do that. If there are moms out there that may find themselves in this similar position and maybe just want to talk through it, info at lopa.org, or you can call our hotline here on the Gifted Life podcast, and that's 504 648 3477. And at this time, as we do in every podcast, we will be honoring a hero. Today's hero is Amy Fox. Yeah, we learn about Amy from her mom, Charlene. She tells us Amy went through life working, going to school, and smiling, even when type 1 diabetes got in the way. It took its toll on young Amy when she was 32. She suffered six strokes. By the time Amy was 39, she had 12 strokes. One day, Amy decided to tell her mom that she wanted everyone to honor that red heart on her driver's license. Her mama told her, you probably won't qualify. You have type 1 diabetes, other illnesses, you're on a lot of medications. But Amy was resolute. Please, mom, just honor my wishes. And mom said, okay, fine, whatever. A few weeks later, it was Amy's time. The last stroke left her in a coma for three weeks. It was Christmas time. And when all hope was gone, donation was an easy decision, says mom. In this family's darkest hour, donation was a light in the tunnel. Amy's beautiful liver would live on. 
Uh, you can read more about Amy's story. You can see her picture, and you can see the beautiful quilt that this family put together to honor Amy. Um, all you have to do is visit our Heroes page at lopa.org. And we say thank you to Amy for the gift of life. Our question and answer segment today, Joe. If I sign up to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor, am I also signed up for bone marrow donation? Laura, the answer to that unfortunately is no. You're talking about two different registries here. When we recover organs, tissues, and eyes, uh, generally we're talking about the life saving organs and then tissues such as skin, bone, vessels, and heart valves, uh, and then of course corneas. But the bone marrow is not included in there. That's a completely separate registry. And you can actually look up. We do have that information on our LOPA website. That's LOPA.org under Donation Facts. We've got all the information that's there mm -hmm. uh, for you to sign up or at least you know get more information, get more education about being a bone marrow donor. And normally uh, when we're out in the community on campus or um, at a health fair, uh, there is a bone marrow representative in the room to give you more information as well. But um, if you have questions, specific things to send our way, info at lopa.org. Remember our hotline. Joey, do you know it? I do. It's 504-648-3477. I don't know if I believed it. That's from memory <laughs> or I don't know. 504-648-3477. Maybe we'll work on a jingle. All right. More to come. Another episode of The Gifted Life has come to a close. One more down. Yes. Wow, we had a list of guests today. Thanks to Alice Batista, Samantha Miller, and Jennifer Colon for talking about the digital donor wall there at Our Lady Lake. Very wonderful memorial that they've got there. And, of course, thanks to our own Laura Gwynn and Kelsey Whittington for sharing such a touching story about little Austin Rose. It pulled on my heartstrings. Yeah, Kelsey and Jennifer Cologne, who paid tribute to her son, Dudu Cologne, uh, who was a hero, just special ladies out to inspire, out to help save more lives. And we were happy uh, that they chose to be a part of our podcast today. So thank you for listening in. We hope that these stories continue to go far and wide because uh, we think if you listen to an episode like this one, you will be inspired to go out and do something. But listen, we have this podcast hotline, and we want you to be a part of an episode. Right, Sal? Absolutely. And we want you to call in 504-648-3477. Give us a call. You know, if you'd like to wish someone well who's waiting on a transplant, who's already had a transplant, or you'd just like to say hello to someone, please do so. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and we love that um, people are listening from different states, different countries. Uh, continue to help spread the word, guys. Go out today, do something you don't normally do to help us make life happen. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.